Welcome to The Barbell Strikes Back. I'm your host, James McDermott, and my guest joining me on the show today is Shai Evan. Shai is the owner of Albany CrossFit, which we've talked about quite a bit on the show. Albany CrossFit, that is, not Shai. He is also a Pan American Masters champion in the sport of weightlifting, and he's also the father of Minnie the Basset Hound, who is not here with us today, unfortunately. Shai, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Yeah, it's good to have you here on the show finally. Yes. Uh, you're not the first in-person show, but this is a historic show because it is the first one done within the walls of Albany CrossFit. Nice. So this is a historical moment. Uh, before we talk about anything CrossFit related and anything weightlifting related or business, things like that, uh, why Basset Hounds? So the gym has had two Basset Hounds in the entire time that I've been here. Louie and Minnie. Why that particular dog? Uh, for some reason, I have an affinity toward them. They're actually just a good breed to have in a public environment like a gym because they're generally very mellow and friendly. They're not going to bark at a stranger when someone comes in who's never been in the building before, although once in a while it does happen. But for the most part, they just want attention and affection. So they're kind of a, the perfect gym mascot. Yeah. They got the floppy ears, yep. you know, they just kind of hang out and sleep all the time. So yep. it's a, a good temperament for a type and of like dog. like to lick your sweat. Yeah, yeah. We, we've all realized that whenever you're down on the floor stretching or trying to recover from a workout, Coach Minnie will come around and help you clean up a little bit. Yes. <laughs> so um, let's, let's dive into some shy history, some shy lore. Okay. Uh, what's one thing that no one at the gym knows about you? Hmm. That's a really good question. I'm, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing the heat right off the bat. <laughs> I, I want to dive deep into the mythos, remove well, some of the mystery from the man. I think some people might know, might know this, but maybe a lot of people don't that I was not born in this country. I was born in Israel. I did not know that. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Have you, have you been back to Israel during your life? So uh, when, when we were growing up, I have two brothers, uh, we would visit my father's parents who were living there, you know, every summer up until probably the age of like 13. And then since then, it's been very sporadic. Honestly, I've not been to Israel in about 20 years. Both my grandparents have passed away since then. So I've not been there in about 20 years, but my parents are still have a connection. So they go to Israel and visit friends and relatives there every year. And so you still have family out there. Yes. Like, do you ever plan to go back eventually when the world gets back to normal? I would like to go because I think it'd be interesting to see the country. It's a uh, you know, very, you know, dynamic country as far as history, ancient history. And plus, uh, it's a very advanced country uh, in the Middle East. It's one of the most technologically advanced countries in the world. They've actually created a lot of apps that we use that might people not be aware of. So I think it'd be interesting to see how much the country has changed since I was last there. Yeah. So it's been about 20 years, you said? Yeah. So early, what, early 2000s, late 90s? Yeah, I think 99 was the last time I was there. Okay, 1999. Yeah, that was previous a, century. That was a year. Yep. <laughs> what, what, kind of, what kind of things have you learned, you know, just like from your father in terms of business and being an entrepreneur from him growing up in Israel, I'm assuming, right? He, he grew up there. Yeah, he was born when it was still Palestine before uh, World War II, before the country got its statehood. So he had a very unusual upbringing because he uh, grew up in what's called a kibbutz, which is sort of like a kind of like a commune, which was a very socialistic type of environment where everyone shared and everything. 
And if you know my father, he's, he's like almost the opposite of that. He's a capitalist, is a individual businessman. So very I think stern. That, yeah. So that kind of was probably, he was born with something like that. And so, you know, after he met my, my mom and got married, he said, I can't live in this kind of environment. And that's how it's a long story, but that's how he ended up coming to the U S and, and growing a business that was his, my mother's father's business, but he, he grew and then the core club, which was where CrossFit uh, eventually started, uh, was sort of like a side venture, wasn't his main business. And he always had people outside the family uh, run uh, the core club. And this building was built in two, uh, ni 1978, right? Yes. So 1978, uh, with the purpose of just being racquetball courts. And Strictly racquetball, nothing else. No, no squash either. That was later. Yeah, that was later. Yep. Okay. And 12 did, racquetball courts. So your father just enjoyed the sport and decided that he wanted to build this place? No, he never even heard of the game. Um, just some local, uh, you know, entrepreneur uh, said, hey, I think this is going to be the next... Uh, big sport and I'm, I'm looking for an investor and and my father was you know not sure it would be a good idea and he decided to go for it and you know this was just there was no no building here it was just land and uh, so he, he built the building and you know and racquetball really took off in the in the early 80s you know late 70s early 80s it was extremely popular and um and it was so it was a, a good business decision at the time for sure I can't imagine nothing else being here right now. Like, like, I mean, that it was, the building was built in 1978, but like since 2011, this is all I've known in this area. I'm trying to imagine the landscape of Wolf Road yeah. and the surrounding area. It's probably wasn't as sparsely populated as it is now. Well, there's a lot more development over the years. Um, there actually used to be a small movie theater right down the road from where our building is. Uh, Macy's wasn't always there when Colony Center first opened. So and if you look also on Wolf Road now, there's hotels and a lot more restaurants. So there's a lot more commercial properties and now residential with some more of these like condominiums opening up right by us. So it's been a lot of development within, yeah. within the small radius of, of our gym. Well, that's, that's funny that your dad built the building as part of a business venture because someone said that racquetball was going to be the next big sport and, and right. it did. It picked up in popularity, yep. but little did he know... 30 plus years later, CrossFit would come into play and right. be another big thing yep. to kind of happen in the same spot in the same area. Yeah. So it's almost like, I mean, he didn't do it twice, but he kind of like, he set the foundation to be built upon. True. <laughs> what, what is he, I, I, I've never asked him before, I'm sure you have, what does he think about CrossFit and what we do at the end of the building? Well, honestly, he, he, he's a little skeptical about it because, I mean, he sees how much passion I have for it and you know, how it's helped me from a physical standpoint, for sure. But, you know, he's been around sort of the, the fitness industry for 40 years now, that, not that he's been directly involved in it, but he almost thinks, thinks things like CrossFit might be sort of like a fad that will last for a while and then something else will come up. And, you know, obviously I believe that CrossFit is something that's very sustainable, that's going to be around forever. But, you know, he, he's, he has a bit of skepticism but I think he's now seeing that, you know, it is something that is very sustainable. You think we'll ever get him into a wad? No, he's, <laughs> he, he's in amazing shape. He's 84 years old. He's still playing singles racquetball. You don't see anyone his age playing singles racquetball, but he has some, you know, physical limitations. He has some arthritis in his shoulder especially all, after all the years of playing racquetball, but he can still do push-ups. He's, he's a very, very healthy guy for his age. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is, this is a show about you, but, I feel like it's important to kind of 
talk about him a little bit just because he laid that foundation for the court club and Albany CrossFit. And I'm sure members of the gym see him all the time here. And, you know, he's like, all right, it's that much older uh, militant looking man who looks like shy, who yells at shy and everyone else around, you know, like, so, okay, that's shy's dad. Right. So, so now we all know. And he, he was in the military, right? Yes. He served, he fought in two wars. Two two wars. And uh, he was, um, I think you told me this maybe once uh, uh, he, he drove a tank. He was a tank commander. Yep. Tank commander. Yep. So, Hey, so that's, that's quite the background here. He's like yep. the, the most interesting man in Albany CrossFit. In the Coral I, would, I would say so. Like the yeah. Dos Equis man. <laughs> True. He's probably Good lived a very in, interesting life. We should yep. get him on the podcast one day. Yeah. So let's go back to the court club has been built. Uh, where yep. are you at that time? 1978. Uh, I am just uh, starting high school and, uh, so I obviously was not involved at all other than learning how to play the game of, of racquetball. And then uh, within, I uh, can't give you the exact year, but you know, we, the building was expanded to have six more courts. Plus uh, we were the first facility to have uh, the Nautilus machine, circuit machine type setup that no other gym had before. That was considered like the state of the art uh, workout equipment. And so I learned how to use those machines which, you know, obviously if you're new CrossFit, you're going to like shake your like, that's a waste of time. But yeah, it was cutting edge. At, some yeah, at the point. time it was just the design of it and the, fun, you know, what was considered the functionality of it. And you see a lot of copycat type of equipment now that still people, still people use. So. Yeah. And so you're learning racquetball, you're using the Nautilus machines. Yep. Were there any barbells here in those early days? Uh, or did you do any kind of barbell training? How, how long did it, did you know did your training go on before you were exposed to things that might be similar to what you're doing now the only thing i would say that was similar would be like you know body weight movements push-ups pull-ups sit-ups but i had never been exposed to even squatting or or you know obviously the the olympic lifting none of that i'd never been exposed to the only bar i held was for Bench press or dumbbells for bicep curls, really. Yeah, curls for the girls. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to think about. You know, there was a time when, when none of this existed. You know, like, like the building wasn't here. Then in the industry, you know, people weren't readily using barbells and things like that all the time. People certainly weren't doing snatches and cleans uh, and muscle-ups or anything right. like that. And you said you weren't even really doing squats. Yeah. How, how long until you got exposed to that type of training. Was it when Albany CrossFit was founded? Pretty much. I, I'd never even saw it in person, uh, like an Olympic lift in person. I just, I remember maybe as a kid watching on Wild Wooler Sports, you know, there's a famous uh, Russian Olympic lifter, Vasily Alexiev. Yep. He was this huge guy and he had like on hundreds of world records. So I think that was the first time I actually watched any kind of Olympic lifting. It's crazy. You're, you're not the first person to bring uh, Alexia up on that one Olympics that was like aired like long right. ago. There are so many people whose lives were changed on that one airing of yeah. him doing the clean and jerk. And yep. this is just, it's crazy. Now, um, Albany CrossFit was founded in 2007. One of your trainers, Jason Ackerman, founded it. Uh, he rented some space from you and started doing this crazy thing called CrossFit. Right. Uh, what was your first experience with CrossFit? Do you remember what your first workout was? Um, well, ironically, actually, the very first time I heard about CrossFit was from one of the racquetball players. He was a guy who was very uh, well-read, always learning about different forms of exercise, even though he was just addicted to racquetball and squash. 
and he actually mentioned, hey, you ever thought about taking a court, making it to CrossFit? And I was like, no, not really. And then, then lo and behold, uh, Jason approached me about uh, renting a court. And then um, I can't really tell you what my first official workout was, but I remember my first Fran, which was probably within a few months of when I started it. And back then there wasn't that much of a strict time cap. So I think it took me, I don't know, like over 14 minutes and at the time I didn't have kipping pull-ups and the 95 pounds was still heavy, but it was <laughs> yeah. even heavier back then. So that was kind of my, from what I remember, my first official girl wad, I'm guessing. Yeah. So a plus 14 minute Fran. Yep. And now what's your Fran time? 537. That's pretty darn good for, yeah. R, for RX. I mean, yep. you know, for, for people who don't know you, 95 pounds is like half your body weight, right? uh, more like two thirds. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's like, you know, I mean, like, you know, you're, you're a shorter guy like me, you're, you're very light. So moving that 95 pounds over and over again for all those thrusters. And then of course, crushing it on the pull-ups. That's yeah. impressive. Thank you. And it, it, it takes time to kind of, kind of get there. So hopefully some people are motivated. You know, I, uh, I, I think everyone remembers their first friend. That's yeah. one that kind of scars you for a little bit. Yeah. What were some of your, your favorites, like, like favorite things to do in those early days that kept you coming back to CrossFit? Or was it more the people that you were around that kept you coming back to CrossFit? I think what really attracted to me was just, there's so much to learn because as I said, I, my, I hadn't been exposed to any of the Olympic lifting or even some of the gymnastic movements. I'd never really jumped rope before, never rope climbed before. So I think that's what really attracted me. But you'd never jump jumped rope before. I mean, I, I kind of could do single unders, but I never could do it efficiently or with as a part of a workout routine. I, I mean, I, I mean, we did it in high school gym class or something, but, you know, handstand push-ups, box jumps. I mean, so, so many of those movements I had never been exposed to. So the, this is all new experiences, you know, yep. so like all these implements being thrown at you and you're a very studious person, you know, like there's, I, I, I can see you getting obsessed with racquetball and learning the grips and, yep. and the different techniques and whatnot. So CrossFit's just really playing into that. What, what advice do you have for someone who's starting off and they're not as fit as they want to be and they've never jumped rope before, like, like you had, yep. and they can't do half the things that we're talking about in the workout. You've been there. So yeah. what, what would you say having gone through that experience to that person? I think the most important uh, thing would be patience, you know, especially if it's a skill you've never been exposed to, it's, it's going to take time. I mean, I, I think um, when I wanted to try to learn double unders, you know, luckily I'm here seven days a week for the most part, so I have time to practice. But, you know, it took a dedication and practice. Maybe I, I, I'm the first person to admit I don't have a lot of rhythm and that, you know, double unders is really about rhythm and timing. And so it was just a matter of practicing maybe five to 10 minutes every other day and, and you know, maybe looking at a mirror to see, if I'm doing correctly technique wise. So patience is really important, especially if you're just starting out from the, even just the fitness standpoint, because you don't want to push yourself too hard in the beginning. It could discourage you. You could be really sore, especially depending what age you are. So I think patience is, is one of the most important things. And how, how old were you when you started CrossFit? I was uh, 44, 45. So already in the master's category, yeah. starting on CrossFit later in life. Yep. Uh, did you, at the time, were you able to do like a, like a strict pull-up 
or toes to bar, things like that? Um, I, I was always pretty good at like push-ups and pull-ups. I'd never even heard of toes to bar before. So I don't, even though I have a, considered myself pretty strong, having a strong core, but it was more about the technique that took me a while. But that was one of the easier moves for me to learn. But as far as gymnastics, I'll give you an example. The handstand push-up, you know, for the first, I don't know, couple months, I had a fear of just flipping over onto the wall. So I would do the wall walk just because I was not comfortable flipping over. Now, I don't even think about it. I just go right into it. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's instinctive now. You just, yeah. just do it. What, um, what challenges did you run into in those early days on things like pull-ups, toes to bar? Was it just all physical and mental? Or were there other things that you kind of had to work on, like your flexibility? Well, especially when it comes to squats, I would say that took me a long time to improve my mobility and flexibility. Uh, as an example, as the front squat, you know, I think from having done the old school type workouts, I didn't have a, a good uh, mobility and I was kind of um, overdeveloped as far as like my chest and front, front part of my shoulders. So too many curls, right? So doing a front squat took me a long time before I could actually get the bar to rest on my shoulders with my elbows up high, which is still a work in progress, but a huge, you know, difference from when I first started, like, it's just, I had never done any kind of squatting before with any kind of weight, especially a front squat or an overhead squat as well. Yeah. And I mean, seeing how fit you are now and people in the gym and people who've come here from competitions and that know you, you know, it's kind of hard to think back to a time where you weren't stringing together 10 plus toes to bar or climbing a rope or doing muscle ups, right. things like that. What was your mindset and attitude towards scaling when you first started? And I do know that back in those early days, scaling was a, a loose term. It wasn't really done too much, but. Um, no, I think I was pretty conscientious about knowing what my limitations were even, even today. Like I know when, when we, we post the wads and it says, oh, this is the RX weight. I know at this point in my life, I'm not, you know, I'm not a young man anymore. And, you know, I, it's going to be difficult for me to do those RX weights or maybe some of the movements. So I think I've always been very conscientious about making sure not to go beyond what I can in order to do the workout the way it was meant to be done. Yeah. And I mean, the, you're, you're, you're one of the best probably in the gym about scaling. I mean, you, you read the workout and you understand going into the workout what we're trying to get out of it. Right. So I think that helps. You're like, yeah. okay, I'm trying to get these rounds done in X time. So yeah. I better knock 10 pounds off the bar. There seems to though be at a time when there's a stigma around scaling. Some people don't, don't like to do it. You know, what, yeah. what, do, what do you say to those people who think, okay, if I'm scaling it, I'm not getting as good of a workout as I could be getting, or I, I think I'm at a level where, but I might not be at that level for this workout. What do you say to those people who have a problem with scaling? Well, it's one of the common uh, things that we used to say, I, I don't know if we said it in a while, but leave your ego at the door. You know, okay, you can do 135 pounds, but for this workout, if we want to get it done in under 10 minutes, that's, that's, that's the stimulus. If you're going to take you, it's going to take you 14 minutes, it kind of defeats of what we're trying to do. It's meant to be fast, eight or nine, maybe at the very most 10 minutes, and you're still going at the 12, 13 minute mark then you didn't quite understand what we were trying to do in this workout. So I think that it's a matter of the coaches really emphasizing, this is our time cap and let's try to stick to it. But you know, some people are stubborn and 
you just maybe after the class, you have a conversation with them and said, you know, I'm glad you got to try that way, but really that's not what we we're trying to get out of this work. And hopefully they kind of understand what we we're trying to do. Yeah. There's, there's always a time and a place to try the weights or to push a little bit more. I think what people got to make sure they don't get in the habit of is always missing the stimulus, yeah. you know, and kind of just getting the workout done for the sake of getting it done. It's uh, you can definitely dig yourself into a hole that way. Have you ever, have you ever gone through a period of time in your training with CrossFit where you were kind of not achieving your goals and it was because you were kind of digging yourself into a hole, whether it be with the way you were approaching workouts or maybe nutritionally or anything like that? I think the only time I've faced, like maybe, I don't know if frustration is the right word, but just not necessarily being able to reach my goal is, is some of these Olympic lifting movements. I mean, even though I've been uh, relatively successful for my weight class and age, I still feel like I could be doing better if I could really hone in on better technique. Because as you know, technique is probably the most important thing. And, and I still struggle with, especially like the snatch, it's just hard for me to, to move fast under the bar, which is really essential to get, lift really heavy. So that's, kind of, that's like an example of not being able to reach my goal as quickly or, or as soon as I would, as I would like. Yeah, it can be frustrating, Yeah, you know, but then you seek out coaching Yep. And I mean, you know, you, you have your Pan American medal, yep. which I mean, you wore it to the podcast now. I don't, I didn't tell you to do it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's not wearing his medal. But that'd be amazing if you did. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you, Shy Evan, set and achieve goals? Like if you have something you want to obtain, I, I remember when you signed up for the Pan American championships, you trained for an entire year and you were very diligent about hitting all of the Barbell Club sessions. Right. But like, what what process did you go through to set that goal, and what did you implement in your own lifestyle and just your daily routine to be able to hit that goal? Well, I think it's just uh, making it your priority. You know, everyone has busy lives, whether you know it's work or social or family obligations. But you just got to make that commitment to to hit those workouts, hit the practice uh, uh, sessions, just like. Going back to the double unders, you know, I, I, I kind of set a goal in my mind. I want to be able to do these double, double unders within the next X amount of time. And I mean, one of the incentives was that my brother already could do them. So <laughs> a little friendly competition with yes. Amir. Yep. Uh, it's um, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is that when you set a goal, you're looking at something that's important to you. Right. And since it's important to you, you're going to make time for it. Yep. So at some point, not only were double unders important, but beating Amir was also very important. So yeah. well, that, he beat me to it. He beat me, he got the double owners before me, but now we're, we've got about the same skill level when it comes to that. Did, did yeah. he start at about the same time as you? CrossFit? Yeah. He started a little after me because I think at first he was a little skeptical. Uh, you know, we, we have a body pump program here and he was doing that pretty regularly. But, you know, once he kind of understood the whole process, it's not like, okay, this was only a five minute workout. Why did I come to the gym just for a five minute workout? And he kind of understood it. it's, you have to look at the big picture and that kind of reeled him in and he hasn't been to body pump since. Not, not, <laughs> there's anything wrong with body pump. No, body pump's great. We love yeah. body pump here. Now, um, were, there, were there any times, uh, I'm, I'm trying to imagine you guys as brothers, you know, like I know I've had arguments and, and spats with my siblings and whatnot. You guys get into any like, heated competitions here at the gym where you're like, man, I'm just trying so hard to beat him 
or you know he's trying to beat you. You guys are uh, throwing elbows in the doorway trying to race in here. I don't think we take it that seriously, but what's been interesting is um, during the time when we were just doing Zoom classes before the outdoor classes, I'll let everyone in the secret, I let him come into the gym with me and we would do the workouts and we'd be the only one in the room there. So we could really watch each other if it was like a time-based workout. Yeah. We could see. And you can yell no rep from across the room. <laughs> well, we could see who's ahead of whom and, you know, but so that's kind of the only time we, I would say, I won't call it heat, it's just friendly rivalry. Fr friendly rivalry. Yeah. Would, would you say that CrossFit has made you two closer at all? Not necessarily. I mean, we have had a great relationship our whole lives. Uh, we're twins and we obviously grew up together, did a, a lot of things together growing up. Um, and uh, I don't think that CrossFit has changed our relationship. We, we talk about it more than other things, <laughs> yeah. I guess, like so typical you're, CrossFitters. You're both obsessed about it. Yeah. That, that must make things very enjoyable for everyone else when you guys are around the rest of the family. Right. And you guys are talking about the CrossFit games and yep. other stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. What, um, um, with, with uh, Amir, this was a, a question asked on the Albany CrossFit Facebook page. Yep. Uh, Emily wanted to know who's older. I don't know if she was joking. She actually knows, but hey, who's the older brother? Amir was born first 10 minutes. 10 minutes older. Yep. yep. 10 minutes older. You know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that either. I mean, I, I would have guessed there was a longer gap between like, like, like you do, you do to me seem like the younger brother. Yeah. But it's crazy what a difference 10 minutes makes. I don't know. Well, the other thing is that my parents didn't know they were even having twins. So really, right? So, uh, so uh, you were the uh, no, uh, you were the, the surprise. surprise. Yes. All right. So now, let's travel forward in time a little bit. Yep. You're doing CrossFit for several years. Uh, you get Amir involved in it. There's a whole community that's forming inside of this this facility. Right. So there's the racket community and there's the CrossFit community. And then you end up purchasing Albany CrossFit. Uh, first, I want to talk about the community aspect of it. Yeah. You've experienced community in, with different groups. Is CrossFit any different than any other type of community? Is it a closer community? Is it a more engaging community? What, what sets CrossFit apart, if anything? Uh, it's, it's an interesting question because I think if you look at, uh, for example, the racquetball community, if you go back... 30 or 40 years ago, a lot of the people who still play racquetball now were in their late 20s, early 30s back then. And it was almost like what CrossFit is now, that kind of similar age demographic. And, and there was a very tight social uh, network even then. And you can see now that even the, the remaining racquetball players we have, they're very, they socialize outside the gym. They do a lot of things together. I would say CrossFit maybe is a little more tightening in a sense because of the fact that we know how hard CrossFit can be as far as workouts. And I think that is a way that people bond a little more, whereas racquetball can be a very demanding sport too, but it's not quite the same thing. So I think because, you know, quote unquote, we suffer together in these workouts, it makes us a little closer. That's how I would describe it. Do you, yeah. Do you think there's a difference because of suffering together? versus always being against one another kind of as opponents out on the, the rack, yeah, that's, rackball court. That's another way to look at it. I mean, for the most part, the people who play against each other are fairly, you know, very friendly with each other. But, you know, once in a while you get some oddball in there, for lack of a better term, who is just so serious about the game that 
it's a, like, you know, life or death on the court and they get really mad when they lose where most of the time, I mean, I play squash regularly and I lose more than I win and it, I can still sleep at night. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> you know, that's one thing I've never experienced or seen in CrossFit. You know, there's some guys down on the racket side who you would swear they have Tourette's because every time they hit something the wrong way or lose a point, you're going to hear all kinds of expletives. Right. But in CrossFit, I think the most I ever see it is when someone gets frustrated with double unders and they throw their rope. I was thinking that exact thing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we won't mention names, but we've known some, some people who've just been totally angry about double unders. It's, it's funny how, <laughs> you know. That, me included. Yeah, an inanimate object, a little rope that weighs like just a couple ounces can just ruin your entire day yep. so quickly. Especially when you get whipped. Yep, that too, when you hit yourself. Remember the old ropes that were like, they were just metal. It was just pieces of metal, yeah. wire, just metal wire. That's what I use now. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you're, you're brave. I like yep. these. Well, these other ones, they hurt when they hit you, but not like that other one. Yeah. Like the other ones would leave a legitimate mark on your calves or your yeah. shoulders. It's actually interesting how you'll have marks all over your body and you're like, I don't even know how I right. hit myself oh, yeah. in my lower hip. I found on my hands, my legs, my back, my head. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everywhere. What, um, now you, you purchased Albany CrossFit, Jason Ackerman. Yep. How did that all come about? And what, what made you want to make this business? Cause there, there was one roof, two businesses. And what made you want to bring this all together under one banner? Well, at the time, uh, I would say CrossFit was probably, you know, still growing. Uh, maybe Jason felt like he was a little tired of, of running the business. And uh, he was probably already looking, without me being aware of it, other opportunities. And at the time, we were kind of renegotiating the lease. He was maybe thinking of expanding even more, taking another court. And then uh, actually it was kind of Amir and I were kind of talking, you know, just think of ideas. And we kind of said, how about if we just buy, buy him out and this way we can sustain both businesses and grow, try to grow both businesses. And that's how it came about. So you guys purchase Albany CrossFit from Jason. Yep. He moves on, he's doing other things and you're literally thrusted into the world of being an affiliate owner. Yep. And it's not like there's a lot of resources or anything out there on how to do this. Yeah. Uh, let alone, you know, starting an affiliate or buying into one or just buying one outright. Yep. Uh, what's one thing other than firing me early on uh, <laughs> that, that you wish you would have done differently uh, when you first bought Albany CrossFit? Okay. I don't recall actually firing you. We were just trying no, to- No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, well- I think I was a little naive at the time, not realizing how it's, it was very um, easy for a lot of our members who had been here a while. Maybe they were more disgruntled than I realized and they saw other options as far as other CrossFit gyms nearby that they could go to. So that was a little bit of a shock when, uh, when I ended up taking over. But I think thanks to you and, and Murph and our other coaches, we've kind of grew back the community into actually a more tight-knit community. And uh, we might not have the same number of members at the peak of when I, I purchased it, but you know, it was a lot of work on, on your part and, our part and my part as well. But um, so that was the one thing that kind of, I should have had a better sense of the, in the environment here. You know, I was not that 
aware of how many people were kind of already looking at other opportunities once Jason left or even before he was getting ready to leave. So kind of the, the morale of the entire community. Yeah. You know, I think it was, um, it grew so fast and maybe people, some people just got lost in the crowd. There wasn't enough, you know, communication with the coaches and the athletes. And I think people just, also maybe they just said, Hey, let's try another gym, see what it's like. It, yeah. and it, may, it may nothing to do with Omni CrossFit itself. They just say, Hey, there's more CrossFit opening up. Maybe it's closer to where I work or closer to home. And so, you know, it was, it was a bit of a shock to the system that, that I wasn't prepared for necessarily. Yeah. And th- th- this is a time when we were having 30 plus people in classes, yeah, which, you know, overcrowded. Yeah. Uh, anyone who comes to Albany CrossFit now, you know, like can just imagine that, th- you know, we would fit 30 plus people in there and we would rotate rowers, barbells, boxes. We would have yep. some crazy workouts in there. Um, and then there's also, you know, different cliques within the community, right. you know, different groups, things like that. How, you know, if you were to do it all again, what's something that you would do to change that? So let's say you're, you're, you're right back in 2014, you, you're about to sign the deal or, you know, maybe you're building up to it. How would you get to know the community in advance to kind of save yourself some headache later? Uh, maybe I would do some kind of, um, get together of, uh, grabbing different, uh, athletes or members from from the gym maybe some of the early morning people some of the people come at night kind of get a sense of you know what do you feel about this place and i, I want to make this place the best crossfit gym we can have and so what ideas do you have yeah just have people maybe who are disgruntled find out what we i can do to keep them or make the place better to encourage them to stay so you know i just i just didn't go through that process i think that's something i in retrospect, I probably could have done. No, I, th- I think that's a great idea. If, yeah. if there's anyone listening who's, you know, going through something similar, which it's, it's, I imagine it's going to happen quite a bit right now, just the way gyms are, you know, yeah. people leaving the industry, people coming in, you know, it's a pretty common thing right now. And I think it's something that people don't think to do. It's like, well, Hey, I should, I should talk to all these people and see if I'm, if they're, if we're even going to be a good fit, you know, maybe, right. maybe, maybe these people aren't responding well to me and now I'm going to buy into this business and then, we have to have this relationship now because it's all a relationship, right? right? Sure. Coaching and owning a business and yep. an affiliate. So you purchased Albany CrossFit. Can you explain kind of how um, the, the community has evolved since then? Because like you said, there was a different community back then. And now our community is, is polar opposite of what it used to be like back yeah. then. And all, the old Albany CrossFit went through, several iterations of being kind of like a fraternity that's how it's been been described and now we are way more friendly family friendly yeah and i think it's it's a good thing yeah i agree can you repeat the question i'm sorry like how how have you seen the community kind of evolve over the last couple years um well as as you said i think um where i think we're very welcoming jim we're not trying to just we're trying to emphasize that CrossFit really is for for anyone. It's it's for the general population, and I think uh, the way we coach, the way we program, the way we can help people who have no experience feel comfortable from the very first day they come here. That's the best way to go about it because, you know, only a certain percent of the population itself does exercise on a regular basis. 
So why make it even more difficult for them? I, I feel like we got to let people know that CrossFit isn't, you don't have to be in shape to do CrossFit. You have, you can, we can get you in shape. You don't have to know how to move these, do these movements. We can teach you how to do them. So it's something that I, I like to always emphasize with people. Anyone can do it with good coaching, good programming and a good environment. And that's what we've done. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would say that that was something that we had back in the day, but I think we have it even more so now. Yeah. Because back in the day, it used to be very competitor focused. Right. You know, and then it got pretty heavily into the whole competitor thing. And yeah. before you knew it, you know, our entire community and everything we were doing was focusing on like 10 people within the community right. versus, you know, fitness and fun for everybody. Right. So it's, it's been nice to see it kind of evolve and change the tone, you know, and the, the, the saying is, you know, uh, the, the box kind of takes on the personality of the owner. And so you can kind of see the stark differences between the, the two owners right. where it was a fraternity and now it's a, it's a, a laid back, fun family environment. And it's still welcoming, you know, an elite athlete. I mean, you can never say that our workouts aren't hard enough because you can always go heavier or faster. So, you know, I think any, any type of athlete, whether it's a beginner or a really highly experienced or strong CrossFit athlete can, would still feel comfortable coming here. Definitely, 100%. Yeah. Now, for going back to you being an athlete, uh, has the term master's athlete changed how you look at getting older? Like, like as the years go by, do you get more excited because like, oh, I'm going to be in the next open category or I'm going to be in this next age group? How does being a master's athlete change your perception on aging in your life? Um. I don't necessarily enjoy getting older. Like <laughs> most people don't. Um, I think when I turned 50, it was, that was the first time I was taken aback. Wow. I'm 50. You know, people joke me, Oh, you're half a century. So you know, that was a bit of a shocker. So I think as we age, especially as you get older, it seems like you get older even faster, right? It's kind of a typical m mindset I think we have. Um, so Obviously, I know I'm aware that I'm a master's athlete, but it also makes me more con conscious, conscientious, and aware. That, like, if I'm in a class, in a workout, of course, there is some competitive juices flowing. You see some other people who may be at the same level as you, but you have to remember, if they're 20 years younger than you, they do have a bit of an advantage. I'm not making that as an excuse, but your 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 body isn't not going to move as quickly. You might not recover as quickly because of the age difference. And there's like there's a master's uh, CrossFit group on Facebook and you know we talk about that stuff all the time on that group because you, 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 you're not competing you can't compete just from a biological standpoint with someone 25 30 years younger than you they obviously have a distinct advantage so I've learned over the years that okay I still want to do well compared to these guys but I have to take that age into consideration do you feel fitter and better now than you were back when you were what 45 or 40 when you were first starting CrossFit um, if you were to go toe to toe with your old self, I think the only thing that I've uh, dropped off wise is I was a pretty serious runner up until I started doing CrossFit. You know, I used to do 5K races and I did a marathon a long time ago. So, again, that's also an age factor, too. But I def that's the one thing that I've definitely, um, my performance level, relatively speaking, has probably dropped off just because long distance running is is not necessarily conducive with CrossFit. Not that you shouldn't do it because we have plenty of people here who do long distance running and they're still doing CrossFit, but 
I think that's kind of a very specialized form of exercise. So I'd say from that respect, that's the one thing that's kind of dropped off. I mean, it can still run probably, if I had to do a 5K now, if I trained a little, I could still probably do it in like 21, 22 minutes. So that's still pretty good. I think but, so. I but, wouldn't be surprised if you could do that right now without any training. And uh, what, Depending on the weather. <laughs> yeah. What's, yeah, we don't need a hot, humid day. What's, yeah. your, uh, what's your one mile time right now? Uh, it's probably around 630, 620. So, all right. So, yeah, so you're, how, how old? I'll be 57 in two months. So 57 in two months and you're running 630-ish one mile. Right. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. That's, I mean, but I used to be able to do that pace for five miles. Yeah. Oh, when yeah. I was in my late 20s. <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah, I'm still, it's nothing to scoff at. What, yeah. It, it, and I, and like I said, I bet if the conditions are right and the mindset is right, you could definitely probably do that 2021 5K right, right now. Uh, what what do you what have you seen in your running that CrossFit has helped? Because obviously now you're not running all the time, right? And this is something that you know whenever the weather gets nice, everyone decides, well, I want to get in shape, I'm going to start running, or I want to be good at running, so I'm going to do more running. Right. And I I can tell you, oh, you already know this. At the beginning of the spring and mid spring, there were a lot of people who were hurt because yep. they were doing too much running right. too much too soon. Yep. But now here you are, 57, and you're not running at all other than what we do in the CrossFit workouts, right. and you're just doing CrossFit, and you can do a 6:30 mile. Yep, that's pretty impressive. Like, so what? What do you? What have you seen CrossFit has done to your running so that you you can just be sub seven so so dramatically, and you don't even have to do it? I think it's uh, being able to uh, sustain. Um, let me rephrase that. It's being able to go through a, a workout, especially if it's a short workout with a, your heart rate at a high level and being able to finish it. And that's what really a mile rate run is. It's, it's meant to be fast where you're breathing heavy the whole time. And it's what a lot of our workouts are. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, in that, in that run, I mean, I've never done a 631 mile, but you're probably not experiencing the same kind of intensity or the quote, pain and agony that you would be on your five five and a half minute fran yeah it's a it's a different level of pain i mean you're when you're done with the either if you're if you're trying to get a pr on your mile or trying to get a pr on fran you're both either way at the end you're going to be breathing really heavy and maybe lying on the ground it's just maybe it's more muscle related when it comes to fran whereas i think the mile run is more like your lungs you're they're on fire, although we get fan long too. So it's either way, you should have the same level of exhaustion. It's yeah. just, you know, from a physiological standpoint, it might be a little different, but the level of exhaustion should be the same. Would you say that the intensity in the, in the, the CrossFit workouts allows you to find intensity and actually push in the one mile run? Because I mean, yeah. before I found CrossFit, I used to run. And I would do a mile or, um, or a 5k or this or that. And you think you're going fast. You think you're pushing it, but you're still just running. Yeah. So you have like no gauge on like what a, a push feels like. And then it wasn't until after my internship that I went back to SUNY Cortland, we did a one mile run test around the track. And I, I felt the difference on being able to like, I'm, I felt like I was sprinting the entire time. Right. I felt like I was, I was moving at a pace that I didn't know how to move at. Yeah. 
prior to CrossFit? Well, I think because I used to be a somewhat serious runner, I used to run in races. I, I, I already had that experience of push myself, but it's funny because anytime I used to do a race or even when I do a workout, you always go back. Okay. If, if I held on to the bar a little, if I didn't let go of the bar and stepped away, I could have PR by even two, two more seconds. Or if I just went a little faster at that last half mile, I could have had a PR my mile, but by another second, I, that's always been my thought process after. And then later on, I'll think, you know what? No, I did as best as I could. But sometimes we always think, if I just did this a little more, I could have done a little faster. So I think it's it's common for either a CrossFit workout or running where, you know, you, you teach yourself to push yourself more. And then, but of course, in any, any given situation, some days you're just not 100%. Yeah. What, what kind of things are going through your head and what's the internal dialogue before a big workout for, for let's say CrossFit. So, and, I, and let me know if there's different internal dialogue versus a heavyweight or Fran, I guess those are kind of two different opposites. So we're about to do Fran. What kind of things are going on through, through your head? Obviously your heart rate is elevated already right, right now talking about it. Um, so what, what do you do to give yourself a pep talk and motivate yourself? Something like Fran, I always uh, try to remind myself about uh, managing my breath. And then it, like pull-ups are pretty easy for me, but when it comes to the thruster, it's really be mindful of the, the, the path of the bar, you know, how we like to make sure the bar sits on your shoulders when you're squatting and, and uh, bringing it back overhead. So that's kind of what I think about before a workout like that is if my technique is better and my, I'm uh, aware of my breath, it's not going to be as painful because I, I'm contro I controlling myself more. That's kind of how I look at it. Almost like you're, you're telling yourself, I have control right. versus like, I know in the past when I've done Fran, especially the first couple times you do Fran, it almost seems like you have no control over what's going to happen. Right. And then you have all the weight of the psychology of the workout just weighing down upon you. Yep. Everyone, everyone in the room already being scared about it. Right. And then you're driving in here to the gym, scared, scared about yeah. it, you know, and you can do that with any workout, you know? Right. So it's almost like you have to tell yourself, Hey, I'm the one that's actually moving the bar, right? You know, no, no one else. So I'll, I'll do with it with what I want. Yeah. What well, does that mindset change? when you're going for, let's say a heavy lift? Um, I guess because when you're going for a heavy lift, it's just a very short moment in time. So it's, you, you almost have to tell yourself, you know, this is not as heavy as you think you can just do it. But I think that's the, that's probably one of the things I need to work on more is really finding a good, uh, a better mental approach to, doing those heavy lifts, even though, you know, I've had some experience with competitions. It's some of it's just so mental. It's, it's not always just the physical side of it. <laughs> it can, it can psych you out. But yeah. Even though it's only going to be that very brief moment in time. Right. And you know, it's not going to feel like something like that one mile run or Fran. Yeah. Are you thinking, is it maybe more you're thinking about what could happen if it doesn't go right? Like, Oh, I might drop this on myself or something like no, that. No, I'm never concerned about that. I just, I know, like sometimes, as you know, with your experience, sometimes the bar feels really heavy. Other times it's like, oh, that wasn't too bad. So I don't know. It's just, I think it's just a very mentally challenging sport. No, it is. The, the way that I've 
found to kind of overcome it is when it feels heavy, I, I kind of realize that that's a lie. Like it, it's uh, my hands lie to me right now. It's, it's heavy, but it only feels heavy. Right. So if I just move and I move in the right way, it'll happen or it won't happen. But I just kind of try to tune out the rest of it. And really, there's not a whole lot going on upstairs yeah. while I'm doing it versus something like Fran. I find like when I'm doing like a Metcon, you know, or, you know, or more so than Fran, uh, Jackie is one that really gets to me just because it's uh, that time on the rower and also that bar. It's supposed to be light. It's only the empty barbell, but it gets really heavy. There's so much time to think. Yeah. You know, versus on a snatch, it's like, there's no time to think and I'm right. not even going to try. Yeah. I'm just going to ignore what I feel and move. But when you're doing all those thrusters, you're just thinking about, well, I, I guess I'll do another one. And here comes another right. one. And it starts to compound. I think having done it, I don't know how many times I've done fan, but I already know how to plan ahead because you know what the weight is, you know what the rep scheme is. So you should make a plan. If you, if you already have experience, you should know, okay, you don't want to go to failure, as we always tell people, but you don't want to also drop the weight so many times that you're wasting time. So it's setting a good plan and try to stick to it, really. Yeah. Now, in terms of lifting those heavy weights and your mindset and approach, what was it like doing snatches and clean and jerks at such a high level competition as the Pan American Championships for Masters versus doing it like here in the gym or even at just local meets? Well, I think it's just a totally different environment because uh, you're looking at the best athletes in the sport in that whether it's weight class or age division, you're looking at the best athletes doing it. So I think you get a little more energized by it, but then you also have to temper that energy. You don't want to get overly excited. You know, before I did the Pan Am, I did the national masters, which were um, several months earlier. And, and it was a, valuable lesson because I went to do my snatch, which was a weight I'd done many times. And I was overly excited and my technique went totally out the window and I actually hurt myself because yeah. it was, you know, I think it was barely 90, maybe low nineties percent, percent of my one rep max It's something. And it's just, that was a very valuable lesson. Like don't get overly excited, stick to the technique, stick, stick what you've been practicing all along. And it totally went out, out the window. Yeah. And, and I'll say uh, I've coached you at a couple local meets and you're always very cool and calm and collected, um, just like you are here at the gym. Yeah. And then at the Pan Ams, I noticed like a little crack in the armor. Yeah. Like I've never seen, I'm like, never seen him nervous like this before. And I remember yeah. you kept, like I told you to sit down right. to wait for your attempts and you kept getting up and right. looking around the curtain. I'm like, what are you doing? Let's go sit yeah. down again. Yeah, so I, I think in the, in the Pan Am especially, I think I, because I was still not 100% healed from the injury. So I just, my number one goal is not to fail that first lift because you know what, then it makes it even harder for the second and third lift. So I just wanted to make sure I got that first lift. I, so, so you saw my anxiety with that. Yeah, that's a, that's a different, you know, like we were talking about the mental mindset that uh, and like the weight of the work that you have to do, so to say, that first snatch is something so different than any anything else. Yeah. Because you you put so much emphasis on that first snatch, it's like, it, it really you have three attempts on the snatch, but you're putting all of your success for the day on that one thing just to get just to get by yeah. this obstacle. And I mean, I've seen it in person people fail all six attempts. Yeah. Really accomplished lifters, it's happened to them. <laughs> and now you, you've you've never bombed out in a competition, missing 
either all three snatches or all th- three clean no. jerks. Um, if if you were to, you know, because it happens to every weightlifter eventually, yeah. or just even just failure in general, how how do you deal with failure when it when it occurs in your life, whether it just be in general or in a sporting sense? I guess it really depends on the level of yeah. it, you know. Yeah, true. I mean. I mean, I, I've done weightlifting meets, but it's it's not my passion as much as it is yours. I mean, I've I've enjoyed the experience, but I would be very unhappy if I failed on all those six lifts. But I I don't know how. I'd almost be more embarrassed for people who are cheering me on and seeing me completely fail than actually for myself, because I know a lot of people would want to see me do well. But I think I would I, I wouldn't. Um, have nightmares over something like that. Whereas other things in terms of failure might stick a little longer. So well, what's something that would stick a little bit longer then? Maybe in CrossFit. Uh, we won't go too, too personal. But uh, well, I'll give you an example. Um, before all this pandemic, there was a master's competition um, at another CrossFit gym locally here. And and I, one of the workouts was with double unders and I, for some reason, lost my rhythm. I just couldn't string them together. And it was a, it was a, a, a partner uh, competition. So Amir was my partner. And I felt like I really let him down because I spent so much time trying to get the double unders. It cost us, you know, a chance and it, to do well. And it's well not like you to, yeah. to have a double under issue. I just had a, a mental breakdown doing double unders that day. I don't know what it was. It just, I was... I couldn't relax about it. And so I felt really bad that, so that, that was an example of something I would have felt worse compared to maybe something in a weightlifting competition because you're letting a partner down too. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, in retrospect, we, it's not like we would have won the competition had I gotten the double honors because there were just some teams that were just so much better than us, but you always want to do your best, especially if you have a partner and there's, you know, you're representing your gym. So that was one that it was, that was a tough one. Yeah. So, so how do you deal with that failure now? So you, you had that double under issue. Amir's cheering you on, you know, like, 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 do you apologize to him or like, or do you practice? You're here at the gym at the dead of night that night, you know, working on your double unders. Like how do you deal with, with failure? Uh, you just got to accept that you're not going to always do your best. And you have some days that just don't go right for you. I mean, I've, I'm a big sports fan. I've seen some of the best athletes in the world, you know, have a bad day and it just happens to everybody and you just got to move on from it. You can't dwell on it. I think that's, that, that's the correct thing. Move, move on from it. You know, yep. you know, it's, I, it, for some reason it just popped in my head. Um, I think it was the, wasn't the uh, Atlanta Falcons who like were winning the Super Bowl and then they all of a yes, sudden, they were up 28 to three and they lost. Yeah. I, I remember that. Yep. Uh, so like <laughs> some things are probably harder to move yeah. on from, but for some reason, when you were, when you were saying that I was reminded of that game and, I know like for me personally, if I don't do what I want to do for the day or I don't have a competition uh, that goes the way I want it to, you know, I just think about how much worse it could be, you know, and then I'm always grateful to be able to have had the chance to do it anyways, you know, because I mean, you and I have both met plenty of people who don't have the opportunity to go to the gym to just do CrossFit, let alone be frustrated with their double unders being off for the day and throwing their rope right. or being upset that the coach won't let them do the RX weight or this or that. So I think there's just so much we can be grateful for, you know? True. So that's yeah. kind of, kind of my mindset on it. 
Yeah. I think sometimes it might come off as like that. I don't care, but it's like, I'm just like, I'm just happy to be here, man. Like, yeah, I'm just, just glad to be trying to do ring rows, you know, let alone for right. other things. So uh, back to the master's meet, what was it like to see so many master's athletes, especially the ones that were that much older than you? Like, there were, there were guys and ladies at master's Pan Ams that are your dad's age. Yes. Like Howard Cohen is 84. Right. I mean, I think it's just someone has a passion for a sport or a certain activity they like to do, and it's their lifelong passion, and they stick to it. And, you know, as long as you're healthy enough to do it, why not continue doing it? I mean, I'm hoping to continue doing a lot of the physical activities I do now for a long time still. Yeah, I mean, and these are lifetime sports. Yeah. Racquetball, squash, weightlifting, and I, I think CrossFit. For sure. You know, like, and it, the CrossFit part doesn't even have to be a sport. You know, right. sometimes those lines get blurred, but definitely um, they're all, it's funny because the, the three of them are activities and fitness, but they're also sports. Right. You know, and it's, uh, you can, you can do them in either capacity. Yep. Now, um, just got a couple more questions for you yep. here, Shai. Uh, so this is the, this is the big question. So you are, and I've already been hounding you about this relentlessly. Uh, you are the defending Pan American champion in the men's 61 kilo class. Are you, are you still 61 kilos right now? Yes. Okay, good. All right. So we haven't put on the COVID 20. Not at all. <laughs> all right. Um, so there, the Pan Ams is online right now because right. of COVID. And I'm trying to get you to do it because you would get entry being the returning champion. Right. So you don't have to qualify. Yeah. So I'm asking you here on the, on the podcast in front of, several people right i was gonna say several thousand several people um what do you think about this it's a very good question i mean i would consider it i just feel like i'm not at the level i was uh it's already been over a year mainly because you know i've been doing so much of this training or lifting or even the crossfit workouts by myself now that we're going to be opening next week i think that will change but and i've actually i'll be honest i've had a little pain here and there, my knees, uh, my I will maybe heel or Achilles heel going on. You know, we learn as we get older, you're always going to have some nagging injuries. Some might go away sooner than others. And so over the last couple of months, I've had some kind of joint pain in my knees. So that's kind of the one thing that's really keeping me from considering it. So you're saying maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Right, maybe. All right, maybe. So I'm gonna yeah. keep I'm gonna keep working on you and whatnot. Because yeah. because the nice thing is you you do this one, and if we do well, then that means entry into the following year, and also possibly an opportunity to qualify for let's say Masters Nationals again and the Masters World Games, which is the Masters Olympics. Right. So next spring, if all goes well in the world. <laughs> Uh, in Japan, there's going to be the Masters Olympics, which they will have racquetball there, squash, all the sports you could imagine, yeah. plus weightlifting. So, I mean, like we, we might need to do this online competition to, as like a stepping stone to greater things. That's a good way to look at it, but I, I'm not trying to sound pessimistic, but I recall looking at what the qualifying weights were for the previous World Masters and it would take a lot of work for me to get there. I'll be honest. <laughs> hey, hey, we got, we got time. We have we a got, lot of work. We, we, we got time though. <laughs> yep. All right. A couple more questions here. 
so we have a uh, um, another question from an Albany CrossFit member. Uh, this is a very simple one to answer. This is Melissa. She wants, and also uh, TJ. Uh, why was the 9 a.m. class canceled years ago? I I don't remember the exact date when we did <laughs> yeah, it. I don't either. But you know, I think a big uh, part of our scheduling is that we want to make sure that it's a good environment for people to work out in. And I think when you have you have to have a certain number of people in a class to have that environment. And when we were, some days we would get one or two people, some, some days maybe three. But when you have such small classes, it takes away from the community side of it. And also I think it, when you go into a small class, you, mean you might not push yourself as much. And I think it's, it's nice to have a bigger class. And I think when we got rid of the nine, our eight o'clock class really grew. And, and you know, before the pandemic, we were getting, you know, sometimes 10, 12 people at eight o'clock and it was, it was a really good environment. So I think it's good to have more people in class just because it, it just makes the workout better. It, it's more, there's more enthusiasm. I think the coaches get more excited when there's a, a decent number of people in class. So that's really the reason why we did it. Yeah. Well, there you have it. The official statement yep. on the podcast even though we've answered this question many, many times before. But, yeah. uh, you know, I don't think people realize, though, what the atmosphere and environment in the class, how much that plays into your success. And that's not to say we can't coach a one-person class. But, you know, most people, when they show up and they're the only person in class, they're kind of looking around like, like, oh, it's just me? You know, oh, okay, I guess we'll do this. And it's, it's not awkward for me as the coach. I'm used to personal training and now I'm going to see everything. There's no escape. I'm, right. I'm fine with it. We're going to do all these burpees. I'll count them now, right. you know, but uh, I, I know for the, for the person in class, they're like, Oh man, like someone's going to be watching me the whole time. And not everyone likes that either. I'll bet sometimes I don't want to be watched. Yeah. <laughs> not that I'm trying to cheat, but you know, sometimes I just want to be left alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, and, and then, Hey, maybe it's a class that's not that populated. You're the only one that comes to class. And maybe you're not having the best day, you know, and, but now like, but we still got to do this thing, right. You know, and there's, there's not other bodies in the room to kind of play off of. True. So it's, it's, well, there's nothing wrong with a one person class. All the coaches will coach them and we don't mind them, but we know that from a membership standpoint, you know, people like to be working out with other people. It's, it's yep. just more fun. Like you said. Yep. Uh, another question here in all of your CrossFit, we, we can be from an athlete side. It can be from a coaching side. Uh, what has been the most meaningful moment for you out of everything that you've experienced and done? Wow. And, and if you, if you want to divide them up into like athlete and coach, you can two meaningful moments, or if there's just one thing that when you think of CrossFit and yourself, you're like, man, this is the most special thing to me. Um, I guess one of the most memorable things I would say is, you know, whenever we do the CrossFit Open, we always encourage people to sign up because I always tell people, you're not going to the regionals or back when we had regionals, but when you're doing the CrossFit Open, you've signed up, you're going to have a judge, you're going to submit your score, you're going to be doing things that you might not think you've ever been able to do. And it's, I've had that experience myself. I think this is going back several years ago. The wad was like, um, 90 x number of 95 pound overhead squats combining with pull-ups i don't remember the exact rep scheme 
But I think before that workout, I'd never done more than maybe four or five 95 pound overhead squats in a row. And then I strung like 10 together. So that was like one of those aha moments, like that's what the open is all about. And then I remember one of our athletes, I don't know if I need to mention his name, but the workout included bar muscle up. And he kept on trying for like five minutes and he finally got one and he was so happy. He was like running around the room, high-fiving everyone. So that's a memorable moment to me. That's kind of what CrossFit is all about. You're going to do something you might not think you've ever physically capable of thought you could do. And especially in that CrossFit open environment, it shows you you can do more than you think, especially if you really push yourself and with good coaching. And I think those are kind of two, two moments that really stick out to me. So the, the overhead squat for you. Yep. And then uh, who, who, who's the barman? It, it was Chris Williams. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Shout out to Chris Williams on yeah. the show. I just remember him. He was just trying, trying. And then when he did, he just ran around the room, high-fiving everybody. He was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> was it a workout that started with bar muscle-ups or did you have to get to the bar muscle-ups? That I can't remember. Was it that one that had bar muscle-ups and ring muscle-ups? No, 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 no. I, I honestly can't remember where if it was in the beginning or in the middle. But it was, it was really cool to a, see. A, a special moment. Yeah. Out of all of the the specific things that Albany CrossFit has done. We've done like, we've done a lot of events, a lot of charitable events. Uh, which one of those has been your, your favorite as maybe just working at it, you know, or just like kind of seeing like, wow, like the place that I, that, that, that I'm attached to produce this, we did this. I'll be honest. I think the holiday parties are always great because it, people can just relax. You get to talk to people not necessarily about CrossFit and it just shows you the, the tightness of the community where, you know, we always get a really good turnout and it's just a really fun party. And I think it just shows that people really is a big part of their lives. They're willing to come here and just have a good time, not necessarily come here to work out. So. And it's the only time where you can eat cupcakes around one another and not feel bad about it. True. <laughs> yeah. I was actually, it's funny you bring that up. I was thinking about the holiday parties today so I was working on the newsletter and I was looking through some of the older newsletters and I was wondering to myself what, what the future of holiday parties will be with COVID and all the restrictions and stuff. And I was, I was just trying to figure it out in my head how a potluck will work in, in the future, you know. It might not happen this coming holiday season, unfortunately. We'll do it on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, yep. do, we'll do it on Zoom. We'll, we'll, we'll see what the world is at that point. Yeah. Um, what is the most valuable lesson that you've learned over the last, really, like how many years is this? 13 years of CrossFit? Yep. So either being an athlete, a coach, or both, what is the, what's the biggest lesson that you've taken away in terms of everything? I guess from an athletic standpoint is that you're more capable of doing things than you really think. So you, you talk yeah. yourself out of it more often than, yeah. than, than, than you think. So you can do more. Yep. Okay. What about from a coaching standpoint? Because um, you've only been coaching for like half the time. Right. Um, that's a good question. I, I just, I think the one thing I would say is just, I love seeing people make progress and, that's, that's, that's the most important thing for me is to see how they get better. And that's why you're doing it. Yep. Yeah. So that, that, that drives you. Yeah. So you're, you know, maybe 
maybe they're talking themselves out of it. Right. So it's your job to encourage them to, to do a little more, to, yep. to put five pounds extra on the bar, or maybe to take it off and go faster, right. you know, or yep. do the full reps or do the full distance on the run. Yep. So motivating people to do more than, yep. than they thought they could. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Shai, this has been a great interview. Thank you. Uh, what, what do you, what, what do you want to leave the Albany CrossFit community specifically with um, in some closing remarks? What do you want to say to the community? We're opening back up for indoor classes yep. on Wednesday. We have information coming out about all that. Um, so we're, we're not going to talk about that on the show. But what, what do you want to say to everybody? Um, well, it's obviously been a really difficult time since uh, we closed. And I just am um, so almost overwhelmed by the continued level of support of our athletes, whether they've been doing the Zoom classes or the outdoor classes or just following our workouts at home and just the continued support we had in a difficult time. And I'm looking forward to seeing everyone back here when things uh, get back to, to normal. Definitely. I mean, we talked earlier about community. Yep. And I think that uh, this whole thing has shown the, the strength of our community. Yep. You know, I, I, would, I would debate someone on if our early community back in the day would have been able to handle this whole COVID situation the way the current community has. Yep. I don't know if they could have. Right. <laughs> you know? true. So awesome. Well, thank you, Shai, for coming right. on the show. It's great to finally get you on. Yep. Uh, second in-person show, but also the first at Albany CrossFit. Uh, can people follow you anywhere? You're not on social media posting all kinds of things, right? No, I mean, I'm on Facebook, but generally it's, uh, I like to keep things light on Facebook. No, nothing political, usually something dog related or my other, some minor passion surfing or skiing. So I like to keep things light when it comes to social media stuff. So I think that's, you know, I think this year has taught us that that's the way to go. Yes. <laughs> all, yes. all things considered. For sure. Well, I guess, you know, since, since you're not really too big on social media, you know, people can search you out, Shy Evan. I know you have an Instagram page. I don't even know if you post on Instagram. No. no. Yeah, no. Uh, but maybe on Facebook. Yeah. But also, uh, people should go and follow the Albany CrossFit Instagram page. Yep. Uh, follow the Albany CrossFit Barbell Club Instagram page. Those are our gym's two main pages. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, if you're looking to maybe join our community, you know, be a part of the crew, we are accepting new members. Yes you know, now that we're going indoors. So give us a call, check out albanycrossfit.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram for any of that. Uh, make sure you follow the Barbell Strikes Back on Instagram. Follow me, James A. McDermott. Head on over to Apple and iTunes, leave the show a five-star rating, some positive feedback and some comments. Thank you so much for listening. Shy, thank you again for coming on. You're welcome.